The afternoon light was turning soft, soon to be purple, as we discussed what to discuss. He sat in a deep, soft leather chair in my living room, I on a red metal chair by a small reading table. The setup looked a lot like some sort of therapy session. I realized that we both had extensive experience talking to people and listening to them. Me as a radio producer, him as an alcohol and drug counselor. But this time, he'd do the talking. In this episode of Stories from the Atlantic, we are going to hear the story of Icelander Björn Ragnarsson and his choice of paths in 2017 when he traveled to France and set foot on one of the most iconic pilgrimages in the world. Björn explained why he went to walk what is in Galician called O Camino de Santiago, in Spanish El Camino de Santiago, and in French Chemin de Saint-Jacques, but in Icelandic it's Jakobsvegur, or the road of Jacob. I went there because I had been, it had been on my bucket list for many, many years. Try to get someone with me, walk with me, ride a cycle with me on, bi- uh, on, on a bicycle. But no one kind of, uh, yeah, well, it's always broke up somehow. The reason I went was uh, because I was uh, suicidal, suicidal and hospitalized and uh, had to find some purpose in life and try to find some way to forgive my, give myself because I have done bad things to people and, and all kinds of black shit, you know. And I was suicidal totally in my head, black hole kind of. Always, and I, kind of, I knew a lot of ways to, to help people, but I couldn't help myself, couldn't use it to, to do anything. It was very strange. He'd helped people professionally as a drug and alcohol counselor for many years, but had reached the point where he was the one needing help. The process of finding solutions or ways to regain what had been lost happened with the help of his counselor or coach, both like-minded individuals when it came to spirituality mostly manifesting in Buddhist ideas. There was a coach uh, who helped me most. We found out my my strength, what was uh, important in my life, for instance, life, for instance, uh, love for life and uh, people and uh, everything, my, my, my family and things like that, and uh, curiosity and uh, integrity and all kinds of stuff that were very important in my life. But... Uh, I couldn't see it, actually. And so the Camino, Jakobsvegur, or whatever name people call it, became a path of recovery in some ways, a place to find the strong and positive aspects of himself. There was a four-step process to follow, aside from the basics of putting one foot in front of the other. The first step, every morning and evening, was to think about the day behind or in front of him from the perspective of three actions, or perhaps principles, that were to guide him when it came to his behavior. The second thing was uh, that I was uh, had to do was helping people uh, according to themselves, not what I was supposed to want or give or or give uh, advice or whatever it was. You know, if they needed just a plaster on the on the bruise or something, just give them a plaster or food or money or what it were what it was. The third thing was uh, make. Uh, other people's lives were happier, made other people happier. Even if I had to fake it, I tried to, because I was so black-minded, the hole was so big in my head, uh, that I was uh, kind of mold, kind of, uh, molding uh, or, or kind of cooking in my head, you know, 
in when I was flying out to to France, the north uh, south part of France. I was in Paris, Paris, and and there I I just thought about uh, maybe to go downtown and find me a good injection of heroin or something, overdose or something, shit, and and finish it off. But uh, because I had pr promised to to stop killing myself to my daughter, and then I kept on uh, because promise is promise and uh, make other people's life uh, better or ha make people happy, I had to act on it more more than I, I thought I, I had to. To make people happier could be an effort that needed both self-convincing and forcing, a sort of mental self-sacrifice for the betterment of others and eventually himself. That point was something I'd thought a lot about in my own life, when the limitations of my own mind in certain relationships blocks me from making other people happy. And so this focus that guided Björn Ragnarsson to simply do what it takes to make people happy, with some limitations, I assume, was a powerful one. But engaging with people on the Camino was harder than he expected. In the beginning, in the, in the, in the beginning of the journey, people were closed. They, they kind of don't, don't want to talk about them like we do in the city or in the ordinary life. But uh, the kind of the, the spirit of this Camino is kind of changing you. Uh, we are all in the same boat. It's, yeah, it's like a, we are all in the in the same village, moving village. There's about two or three hundred people that you can uh, travel with. It's kind of like moving village. There's a lot of people walking, and you meet this guy this day. The next day you meet some other other people, you walk with them or you walk alone, they walk alone and you can maybe eat together this evening, can have, it was kind of, uh, it was very different that, than I thought because I was thought, I thought it was much more like walking, walking alone, uh, looking in and find some truth inside to forgive myself or whatever it was. Uh, it was a, uh, in, in, a, in a period of the time it was like that, but uh, most of the time in the beginning it was more like I was walking with people and I met really, really good people and, and, uh, and I realized I, I, if I told them my story, my, my kind of uh, why I were there, they told, start telling me why they had the purpose of the, that, uh, the journey. Among the people he met were two young Japanese girls destined for a certain career and a certain spouse. But on the Camino, at least one of them, was looking for answers from within in regards to what she wanted in and from life. He met people with serious illnesses, for example cancer, while some were getting through the process of divorcing or losing a loved one. What they all shared in common was a search for something within, answers to the various questions they had set out with, or perhaps came from the journey itself. Björn called them heroes and was obviously impressed by the dedication they put into their self-discovery, something he was doing as well. But his walk, his personal journey, started with some difficulties, internal and external. Somebody had stolen my underwear and socks and, and, and I kind of jumped in my... Uh, angry room about it and then I made, made uh, different, uh, stopped thinking about that. Maybe somebody needed my underwears. Uh, it was very nice uh, underwear. It was a, 
I trousers with the trains on. I allowed them, loved them very much. It was very really nice. And uh, but uh, so maybe somebody needed it. So I, I tried to think differently. Part of it was the deep darkness within, from having lost everything, as he put it, divorce, losing his job, his house, and finally, nearly his life. The darkness did not vanish immediately, and at the beginning of the journey, he considered, on multiple occasions, to end it all. In Paris, en route, he considered overdosing on heroin, but decided to honor a promise he had given to his daughter. Later on the Camino, the idea of hanging himself then and there came to his mind. But the transformation had begun and manifested in overcoming various situations, problems and thoughts. It was like the actual journey of change had started, as he told me of all the situations, experiences and people he met, and how they helped him towards something important. Among the advice he got was from a young woman who encouraged him to write down his thoughts and his life as part of his process. Ask me every day, you know, how was your written doing? And I said, ah, I didn't write so much today. You should do, take time and do it. And she, she taught me a lot. She was much younger than me and, and very lovable and very arrogant and, and different, a difficult person, but uh, I admire her very much. One of the main landmarks on the Camino is a hill with an iron cross on top of a pole called Cruz de Ferro, believed to have been erected in the 11th century by Gokelmo, though various theories can be found about the purpose and origin, some religious, other navigational. But the end result is its present role as a place to shed one's past, leave memories or messages. And you throw the stain stones back in the back of you and, and then you walk away, then you leave the past. This is kind of the story about it. I had the, I ended up with three stones. I had a huge, uh, was a huge and bad past that I, I want to get rid of. In his case, there were three stones. The biggest symbolized his past, especially in regards to the attempted suicide. The second stone, in the shape of a heart, represented the love affair he was having on the Camino, a journey in itself, which he had not expected, but entailed lessons that he later decided to be open to. The third stone represented the disappointment he felt on the Camino. And one place I was praying, I saw this stone, and I was thinking of the disappointment in, uh, on the Camino. There was a lot of disappointment. I, th I thought that the Camino was totally, totally different than I thought. You know, I thought I would be maybe die there. Or, or, or in the beginning, I was thinking uh, to, to just finish it off on the road. Just find me a good tree and hang myself or do something like that. But uh, it, it was totally different, you know. And I was kind of getting happy. I was in love. Uh, it was many things different and difficult. And I felt it kind of disappointment, disappointing me. You know, the, 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 the Camino took me on some ride that I didn't expect. So the disappointment was there. So I was going to throw the three, three stones. So through these stones, he planned to shed certain parts of himself and his past, a symbolic turning point in the journey. But it was a little harder than that, as it turned out. First, I, I, I throw them in the back of me, and I, and I did the, the, the wrong thing. I turned and checked where they landed. and said, fuck, no, this is not the, goal. That's the, way, this is not the way I want to leave my, my past. So I went back and took up the stones, and I just throw them in the in this huge, uh, I don't know what called the uh, bunch of gro uh, bunch of stones, you know, 
pal, yeah. Lot of letters and flowers and all kinds of pictures of people in the stones and, you know, this is long, 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 long kind of gathering of all kinds of memories, very strange. I had to build kind of up, up courage, courage to, to, to do the thing I had to do, you know. Leaving my, my past was more difficult than I thought because I, I, I really don't know, but I can't, maybe can't find out you know, if I leave my past, you know, the thing that have, in, in the dark past I had, the, the thing that I regret. You know, some people say you never regret the, th the thing you, you do, only the, th the thing you don't do. But that's true, but it's not true. And if you, are bad, if you have been a badass in your life, doing harms and doing bad things, doing in prison, doing things like that, done all kinds of shit, beating up people or, or doing drugs or whatever. There's a lot of pe a lot of things that you really regret. You you wished you had have a courage or 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 or, or knowledge or whatever to, to do it differently. But well, the things like that was was the thing I had to had to get rid of, and and but uh, the guilt of having it, the package. It's like like dragging a, a, a furniture after you or something heavy, uh, kind of having a. a, a, a uh, body in the back dragging after you and when you're coming to the point you're gonna leave it it kind of give you a kind of anxious you know about what will I be after and then I actually I burned the book which, which was almost totally full of all kinds of and it's strange about when I start writing I didn't want to I didn't I didn't uh, knew what I was writing about as first I started writing to other persons, I had to kind of get forgiveness from. Then I kind of, the written start changing. And I start written to the time period of my life, from childhood, you know, beating up, blah, 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 this and that. And, and, and when I was a teenager, when I was a youth, uh, young man, when I was in prison, when I was this, when I was that. And you know, in marriage, or when I was father, or, or things like that, I started writing to this period of time. I didn't realize until this. I read it. I wrote it from you know, this on, on the Crucifera, and so okay, this is this is strange. But then I did a pray, uh, meditate, and did a pray, and burned the books. And I was kind of preparing myself to. It was getting late, you know. This the sun was going down and. And I suddenly found me totally empty. And I said, why I am staying here? I didn't know. I was totally empty in, my, in myself, you know, it was, it was nothing. So I said, okay, I, I don't have to stay here anymore. My past is gone, I'm in peace, um, I'm, I'm empty. I actually, the feeling was just empty. Empty the end point of a long line of events from the past to present, seeking some form of release and redemption, which ends in a feeling of emptiness as the heaviness disappears. It makes me wonder about all the other people who have walked the Camino, what they found or left behind. And that thought takes us further back, along the various paths of pilgrimages, like Kumonokodo in Japan, Glastonbury Tor to Stonehenge in the UK, Mecca in Saudi Arabia, Adam's Peak in Sri Lanka, and the list goes on. Even in little Iceland, a thousand years ago, there were individuals 
that went seeking to Spain, France, Italy, and ultimately Jerusalem, the crown of pilgrimages for a newly converted country, formerly followers of the old Norse religion, where pagan gods and supernatural forces were the foundation. Within Iceland, there is little in terms of spiritual paths, aside from possibly church locations like Skálholt and Hólar. In winter, there was an inherent limitation by the harsh weather, and then the need to put all the energy into farming during the few summer months. A busy nation with a complicated relationship with the church. But as the journey reached its later stages, there was a change in the atmosphere. I met that all the people, people were getting more stressed about time, uh, uh, and there were more pilgrims. They were come, the, these pilgrims uh, came like the last, some pilgrims walk just 200 or 300 or 400, something like that. And they was getting, gaining more and more and more people. It was like awful lot of people. And uh, everything's changed. And the, and, the, and the end, it's kind of, was a race from morning to, to, to dawn uh, between albergues to get a, get a bed. The, 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 the last 200 were very strange. They came, uh, uh, they came a bunch of uh, buses, you know, uh, maybe six buses. They, they parked outside some village, small villages because you have to get two stamps. The, the last, I think it was the two last 200 kilometers, uh, get a stamp in your passport where you have, to have uh, overslept and churches and things like that. And, uh, and they just went from the buses in the town, got the stamps, and then the outside the town, or maybe in, just in the bus again, and, and they went away in some fine hotel. That was a uh, Korean, South Korean people. Uh, everybody dressed up uh, and uh, covered up for the sun, and very strange people. And, and, and I asked one of them why they were doing this. And they say, we are doing it for the resume, or, or, or then we can say we have walked the Camino seeking for jobs or something like that. First in the beginning, it kind of irritated me. Then I said, no, 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 this is, this is just their Camino. Everybody walked their own Camino. If you don't, if you have to quit or because you are ill or something, that's your Camino. If you, if you want to just quit here now, even just walk a 200, it's your Camino. It's always your Camino. Your Camino is showing you the thing. So for these people, this is their Camino. And I have no right to, to judge it. For me, it was, uh, okay, it's kind of strange, but we, we kind, kind of the or originals called them pilgrims uh, uh, in a funny way. Uh, but uh, also we start walking uh, faster. I was walking fast with a group uh, to, to gain some, some people had a flight ticket from, uh, from Santiago. I, I did, I did had one, I was because I was kind of saying I had one way ticket and I didn't have a ticket away from, fly ticket from Santiago. So I had all the time I, I, I needed. But, uh, but in Santiago, when we came there, uh, there was a kind of huge kind of very relief and very happiness. We were together, all the people, you know, we walked in and they came more and more and more. We spent a few days there and there was always coming in the people, in the, people, the village people, kind of the people we have been working with. And they came more and more and more and then the sorrow came. The sorrow started kind of maybe two, maybe one or two days before, you know, this is going to take an end. Answers to personal questions can come from various sources, 
Some gained with less effort, like the lessons from an obscure B-movie about a used car salesman's father and his son. The son didn't want to become a used car salesman, like his dad, who simply told him that if he finds something that he loves and is good at, money will follow. At the end of the movie, the son has become a successful and happy used car salesman. Björn loved to share the wisdom of this B-movie with people on the Camino. One of the insights Björn got to himself came from a Native American shaman during a sweat lodge session in Iceland. And he asked me one night, do you want to know where your, where your, where your personality is made of? And I said, what, what do you mean? You know, your personality is made of many, more, uh, many animals. Because the Indian believed that. And he kind of throw something and I had picked something from a kind of skin bag or something like that. And he's told me he made, he made a stone ring around us and put a fire and called all the witnesses and the stone people and the cloud people and, you know, and the elves and, you know, everybody were witnessed that to when we did it. And he told me that the animals in my, in my personality, and there was all kinds of, there was a, rabbit and snake and all kinds of animals I didn't like, actually. But they, they have a post- positive uh, personality also. And, uh, and he said, you are, uh, you, are, you are equal within. That's a very uh, uh, honorable thing, you know. And I said, okay, cool to be eagle, you know. Yeah, the eagle sees uh, very high. He has sharp eyes. You know, he fly high. He's a very spiritual animal. But you have a problem. And I said, what is that? Your equal is upside down. He's always flying on the back. And they say, fuck, what? fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, you old man. <laughs> you know, why? Yeah, I don't know. This may be something in your character. You're always rejecting your spiritual uh, thing, you know. And uh, you would probably find it all your life to, call, to turn your, turn your you know, equal around to be a spiritual and give the people the thing. And I have thought about it all the years, you know. The fucking bird is always on the back. Maybe... Uh, maybe he turned around on the Camino. I, I believe so. He, uh, what? At least he's flying on the side now. <laughs> Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Oh, Lord through the revolution, courtesy of the Steve Miller Band. It was getting dark, and the only thing left was to understand what Björn carried on the outside, on his actual body, to which he kindly agreed. Tekið. Þetta er gamli giftingaringur minn, það var pínlítið hérna auga guðs hérna, ég alls sem auga guðs. Pís er náttúrulega bara gamla pís hippamerki mitt sem ég held mikið upp á. Þessi ör þýðir eiginlega... His hands and knuckles are covered with tattoos, having often wielded the tattoo needle himself. The anchor is for stability, safety, and the fact that he says what he means and means what he says, though in a way that most people can take it. The all-seeing eye is his wedding ring. The peace symbol is just that. A broken arrow represents the way Native Americans would offer a sign of peace. A heart with a knife represents the women who have left him brokenhearted, though not entailing any bitterness towards them. Yeah, here is this. This is the memory of my, 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 my
ég hauskupa með hatt og rós í munnum er minningum minnmynd sem að ég sem að fram til sjálfsmorð bara A skull with a hat on and a rose in its mouth is in memory of a friend who committed suicide minutes after Björn hung up on him, something he blamed himself for during decades. The Om symbol he relates to Tibetan Buddhism, but originates in Hinduism, symbolizing the most profound concepts of universal creation, mostly used as a chanting sound, and has been described as part of the worldwide religious sound, mostly known as Amen in the Western world. Thor's hammer with the cross and thunder comes from his leaving the Icelandic Lutheran church and joining the old Norse religion. The Phantom, a 1930s character created by Lee Falk, appearing in newspaper comics, represents both Björn's sense of justice, a belief that right shall be right, and the memory of having read the comic strips as a kid in the 60s. The Celtic cross represents his origin from Irish slaves, and the sparrow represents that he is whole and loyal in his relationships, and also that he, like the sparrow, cannot be tamed. A razor blade with a Mark 32A represents an attempted suicide, and the mental ward where he recovered. Two swallows, birds, each representing 5,000 miles traveled, and lastly, my memos, referring to his childhood ADHD, when his mother would tie a string around his finger for him to remember something important, like going to the dentist, except that later in the day, he'd stare at the string, unable to remember what it was he was supposed to remember. And with that, we end this episode of Stories from the Atlantic and remember what we have heard from Björn Ragnarsson's journey on the Camino de Santiago and on the often twisted path that is life.